I want to take a moment to thank everyone who supports this show and everything that we do at Majorspoilers.com, including all of the shows in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. The only way that we are able to do the things that we do is through all of our patrons. And we would love it if you became a patron by signing up at patreon.com slash major spoilers. A couple of bucks a month goes a long way. And when we have a legion of fans uh, contributing their pennies, then we can do amazing things. So thank you this week to John Eddings, Evan Cannon, Greg Brenna, Brad Barber, and uh, and uh, Red Strings uh, up their pledge this week. But everybody else were, were new signups this week. Red Strings up their pledge. So thank you, everybody, for your support. And I hope that next week, you, dear listener, that I will be able to read your name at the beginning of the show. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I was muted this time. I'm Rodrigo. <laughs> and I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, Juliet crosses the country in search of a new life. The Justice League crosses infinity. The Maze Book crosses off another victim. And Saga crosses the galaxy to come back to us. Major Spoilers will make your dreams come true. So when your lo- room looks kind of weird and you wish that you weren't there, put on your headphones and travel with us because the Major Spoilers podcast is in your imagination. And it's on the air. Welcome to issue 947 of the Major Spoilers podcast. I tell you what, Mark if down you from are... Wow. If you are just now joining us, you missed a fascinating conversation about cilantro and pizza and things that people put on their pizza and foods, and a whole lot more. It was all part of the Major Spoilers pre-show. If you would like to listen to that, it's, I think it's about a good 30 minutes this week, um, then you need to become a patron over at patreon.com slash Spoilers at the silver level and higher, and you can get access to that show. In fact, listen to the pre-show right before this, and it just rolls right from one right into the other. It's very amazing like that. Uh, no Ashley this week, but we do have a Matthew and a Rodrigo, and we also have the news. Yes, indeedy do. It has been many, many a month since we've been able to read the adventures of Hazel and her family, but Saga returns in January of 2022. Uh, This last weekend, Image Comics announced that Saga, uh, written by Brian K. Vaughn, art by Fiona Staples, will make its return on January 26th, 2022, so set your alarms. Saga number 55 is going to be a 44-page issue. Still going to have a $2.99 price tag. Hooray. It's going to kick off the second half of the series and, according to Image Comics, the most epic Saga chapter to date. I think this is pretty cool. A lot of people have been wondering when Saga was going to return, and the information that we have over at Major Spoilers, it seems like Brian K. Vaughn and maybe Fiona Staples have both you know, taken a break so that they could work like far, far, far ahead. It mm-hmm. seems like they have many, many issues. This is what's inferred from reading their, their quotes over there at major spoilers. Uh, it, it implies that they are many, many, many issues ahead so that maybe they won't have a 20 year break in between issues. Like, like they did between 54 and 55. It, it's only been three years. It would have been the summer of 2018 when the last issue came out. I know, but still, that's like a long time for fans to wait. It is a very long. It's it's not like Ms. Mystic long time or last chapter of Miracle Man long time, but definitely it's a long time. And I am psyched. I 
Well, first of all, they left us on a heartbreaker. Uh, so I'm super mad at Brian K. Vaughn, shaking my head, shaking my head, shaking my fist at his head, whatever. Math is hard. Let's go shopping. All right, Rodrigo, all right. let us go shopping. Yeah, uh, speaking of sometimes taking long breaks in, be- in between stuff, <laughs> uh, seems like forever since we've heard about Astro City from Kurt Busiek, and now we know the reason why. Busiek is moving Astro City and all of his original works over to Image Comics. Uh, in a press release, Busiek said, Image is the best comics publisher for creator-owned work, uh, so it's very nice to be bringing my books together here where they can be available as a group supported by the team here. Uh, in addition to Astro City, we will see the return of Aerosmith, uh, The Gods on Sunday Morning, Shock Rockets, Superstar, as seen on TV, and The Autumn Lands. Uh, Astro City and The Autumn Lands being the ones that I'm most excited about. A new comics kickoff in January with Aerosmith. That's Aerosmith. Uh, and new issues of Astro City arrive in March 2022. Yeah, so that's coming up really, really fast. Very much looking Sorry. forward to this. So here's the interesting thing. Um, mm-hmm. This was through a, a secondary interview. I can't remember if it was, it wasn't with Kurt. It was some with somebody else uh, on another podcast. And basically they said, maybe, no, it wasn't Kurt. Uh, but basically they said, look, uh, the whole reason why something like Astro City was over at DC was because of, um, what's his name? Um, who was there? Uh, Dan DiDio. And that they had made all of these deals with, Dan DiDio. So one can say that, oh, all this Astro City stuff where Kurt was going to come back with just these standalone volumes of the comic, that was something that was agreed upon with Dan DiDio. But when Dan DiDio left, all those things kind of went to the wayside or people had second thoughts on it. So some of these things where you're seeing them move over to Image Comics, uh, I'm getting ready to listen to the Scott Snyder uh, interview and I, and he's supposed to be also spilling all about why he's taking all these books over to comiXology originals. And I have a feeling it's all about Dan to Dan to was the one that was bringing these deals to the companies and getting, Oh, it was, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, mm-hmm. he was the one talking about this and said that a lot of these deals that he had working over at DC was because of, of DiDio. And when DiDio left, that's why he took all of his stuff over to Dark Horse Comics. So I imagine the same thing is going on here with Kurt Busiek and and other creators as well. So, but still, so yeah, new Astro City. Yeah, it's been the same length of time. Astro City's last issue came out like a month after Sagas, three years ago. So, I am hoping, and you know, this is the thing. I'm a nerd. I am hoping that the promised story explaining who in the world the Enforcer is after 35 years of this comic and 60 years of, you know, incontinuity stories and appearances where we never get so much as a hint about the Enforcer. Now, all of a sudden, you know, they were like, hey, we were going to give you the story. No, they're not. So I'm hoping that we see that. But I'm also psyched about Superstar. Yeah. Which is an underrated book. And Aerosmith. I wish somebody would say to Kurt, please bring back the Liberty project. But I don't know. I don't know about that. I didn't see that. You can go read the information over there at Majorspoilers.com. Kurt tweeted that the Liberty project is not part of this deal. uh, Okay. All right. Uh, But so so the other nice thing about this is if you don't have collections of Astro City, if you don't have collections of Aerosmith or um, uh, Shock Rockets, uh, then those are going to be reprinted in new collections. So there's something to look forward to as well. Nice. Something else that, and, and probably also the, the autumn lands, Rodrigo. Yeah. 
Uh, here's something else that is exciting. If you uh, can't make it to a convention, I know the New York Comic Con was this past weekend. I know a lot of people went. I know a lot of people also didn't go because of what's going on. DC Comics is kicking off its second DC Fandome this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I believe. Uh, it's the streaming event that they did last year, and they're going to feature actors, directors, writers, and a whole lot more. And we here at Major Spoilers predict that we're going to see footage from the upcoming The Batman, Shazam 2, Black Adam, Peacemaker, and pretty much any other project that they have in the works uh, going on. I think we're going to see uh, a lot of that media stuff drop uh, over on the Fandome this weekend. I also think we're going to see some information about video games and comic books and a whole lot more. The event is completely free. All you need to do is go sign up and you'll get the link to the YouTube page and to the Twitch channel. Last year's DC Fandome attracted over 65 million viewers worldwide. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. If this event is as large or larger than last year, you're never going to see DC in Hall H ever again or Warner Brothers in Hall H ever again. And you're going to see them not have a huge media presence at conventions ever again. They're going to just go the way of, of Disney and do a D23 and it's just going to be DC fandom and they're going to get more publicity off of a one weekend pre-recorded, pre-prepped, pre-edited event than they would uh, anywhere else. So I think this is, I think this is the way Warners and DC are going to go uh, from now on. I don't know what you guys think. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm still not ready to even consider, not that I would have necessarily gone to a big convention, you know, before there was a possibility of it giving me a horrific disease. Now I'm not saying but, that they won't have writers and artists and panels. I'm just saying that oh, their sure. big media million their dollar deals will be yeah. in their, their own individual. And mm -hmm. honestly, it makes sense. I mean, that's kind of what we've seen, you know, with the streaming services that you also predicted four and five years ago, where each, you know, company is going to have their own streaming channel where they show the shows that they own. So makes sense. Yep. Rodrigo, any thoughts on fandom? Has it really been a year since the last fandom? It's been over a year because wow. they did the first fandom they did in, I want to say June or July when San Diego Comic-Con would have been going on. Uh, and then this year is, you know, very much well after that. But now that right. we're getting ready for the Christmas time and the Batman and Peacemaker on HBO Max and a lot of these other things, they're going to, I think, and, and also the fall season's coming up, right? The the fall and, uh, and spring, you know, if the Flash returns in the spring, we're going to see some of that Flash movie stuff here as well. Maybe we'll even get Ben Affleck to come on and talk about how much fun he had playing Batman again in the flash movie. Ooh, we're going to have to find out on the fandom this weekend, dcfandom.com. So there you go. Uh, listeners, you can join this conversation and more over on our discord server. You can join the major spoilers, discord server for free or even better. You can link your Patreon account to the discord server, and then you get access to even more features like hidden channels just for our patrons. Find out more about becoming a patron, patreon.com slash major spoilers. Let us now jump into some reviews. And uh, Rodrigo, you have Savage Hearts. I have zero information on this. So when does yeah, this come sorry. out? Who's it from? And all these things. Let me guess. Dark Horse Comics. I'm putting my 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 brain to the uh, envelope in the mayonnaise jar. And I predict Savage Hearts is from Dark Horse Comics. Okay. Um, <laughs> on, on the matter of Dark Horse Comics, you are correct. All right. 
so this is Savage Hearts number four. Um, I've reviewed Savage Hearts before. It's the uh, story of uh, kind of a naked devil guy and a naked barbarian lady um, running around the wilderness having adventures. Okay. Uh, everybody's kind of everybody's kind of naked in this. Not everybody, but lots of people are. They just don't wear a lot of clothes. Um, uh, this is by Aubrey Sitterson. Uh, Aubrey Sitterson, yeah. right? Uh, so again, we've talked about it. This is like the what, like the worst guys you know. He's uh, putting a lot of stuff. It's the book is very funny. Um, the uh, let's see, the art by blah, 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 Jed Doherty is really good. It's really excellent. I really like the character designs. Um, you know, they spend some time in a giant on a giant turtle in this. I really like the look of it. Um, there's kind of this ongoing, unfolding story that uh, you know can shake the foundations of the world or whatever. But the important thing is kind of the relationship between these two characters, which gets strained, uh, or, or we knew had gotten strained last issue uh, because he told her that he didn't have a fiance anymore leading her to believe that she was dead but really it just kind of meant that he'd left uh, and didn't marry her um so she shows up in the last issue and this issue is the fallout of that right um it's fun it's a it, the book is a lot of fun um i'm glad that i uh happened to be looking around the dark horse bin today um, because sometimes I end up missing um, books as they come out. Um, I don't know if that like Five Beasts book is still coming out or not. Oh yeah, like, but I think uh, Ingrid always gets that before you do. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, it's um, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm looking forward to next issue. Uh, you guys should pick it up. Savage Hearts number four. Now, is this like a creations myth kind of thing, or is this a uh, uh, honestly just crazy it kind people of in the feels jungle? Like somebody's rad D and D game. Ah, okay, all right. Mm -hmm. um, there's like a big buff barbarian lady, and then like this group of people are like um, multi, like different color, like so purple skins, blue skins, and they have horns. Mm. So I'm mm -hmm. like, and then there's like a couple of like normal humans and then like a bunch of birds. So I'm like, this really feels like somebody's D and D game where they're like, Oh, I know I'll put tieflings here and they'll have like this thing going on. And I don't mean to downplay, um, citizens game or, or, or world, you know, it's like, it's fine. Um, really kind of the problem is that D and D is, uh, so broad and weirdly infectious that it, like you kind of start thinking in terms of D and D, um, but yeah, it, it, it just feels like, uh, you know, kind of a cool campaign and it's not, it's not told in like a very lyrical or, or like poetic way. Although one of the characters is very lyrical and poetic. Hmm. Okay. And how many slices of the old meatloaf did you say? I'm going to give it four. Nice. Very nice. All right. Let's jump to last week. So Rodrigo's comic oh, comes out next week. Mm -hmm. Matthew's comic came out last week. And so, uh, Matthew, you're taking a look at Justice League Infinity number four from DC Comics. 
I am indeed written by J.M. DeMattis, art by Ethan Beavers. Uh, takes place in the universe of Justice League and or Justice League Unlimited. Mm-hmm. And this is actually my favorite issue to date. Because essentially, and, you know, I've, I've said that I'm a little, I'm about multiversed out. And then, you know, I totally geek out on, on what if, and I look at this and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. So what I think I am is, is predictable uh, out. Because this story starts with, you remember Amazo, the of gold course, guy every, who's totally not Everybody the remembers surfer. Amazo. Yeah, Amazo is traveling through the multiverse, and he breaks the universe. And so the Justice League has kind of been scattered. And this issue focuses almost entirely on Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman has landed in a reality where the only other person that she can find is Darkseid. And she's ready to punch him in the face. And she's like, oh, I hate him, hate him, hate him. I'll hate him, hate him, hate him till we box him up and crate him. And he's like, why are you punching me, my love? So apparently in this alternate universe, Darkseid and Princess Diana were a thing. And he quickly realizes that this is not his Diana and explains to her what happened. And that when he tried to destroy the Earth, on this reality, Wonder Woman, in fact, talked him down and they came to appreciate each other. And, you know, she's stuck on this world with Darkseid while the League tries to track her down. And as the story moves on, uh, it does not get quite as schmoopy as the cover implies. Oh, uh, so the they're not swapping spit and making out. There is a flat out make out sequence on the cover that does not happen in the book. Oh, at false least advertising. With, yeah, well, not with our Wonder Woman. I mean, it's implied to have happened with his Wonder Woman, but it comes to really a point where Wonder Woman ends up fighting some other people who uh, shall remain nameless because I'm not going to spoiler everything. And it gets into big fighty fighty times and she's literally going to die. But you know what happens. You know, you know what happens. It's a redemption story redemption story and you get to the end and it's kind of wonderful it's really weird and it's 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 heartfelt and tearful and you get to a point where i'm like oh right uh dark side uh, killed an eight an entire universe and then of course on the last page they really get me because superman and the justice league arrive and they've only found her with the help of the justice alliance of Earth D, who appeared exactly once in a comic book in 1999. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I like this. Uh, because, again, I remember the Justice Alliance from Earth D. And it's one of those stories that you come out of it really happy. It feels like an episode of Justice League Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But J.M. DeMattis is better than anyone else at, you know, really putting deep bizarrely understandable feelings even into the the mind of dark side and so i got to the end of this issue and i'm like yeah i like this now the art has what feels like some issues for me because ethan is very much working in that you know that bruce tim uh, dc animated universe style which is you know obviously that's where these characters come from but they also have a very animated not like animated, animated, not 
drawn on cells, but in fact, you know, super aggressive and sometimes over the top expressive. And so you get to a point where the Bruce Tim animated face of Wonder Woman is not made for the, you know, the deep expressions and the wild, wide-eyed, crazy moments that happen here. So I do get moments where I feel like Ethan Beavers is a better artist than the pictures because mm-hmm. Ethan Beavers is you know, stuck drawing like Justice League Unlimited. And I feel like it it could be even wilder if they were allowed to use their own style. But... Uh, anything that has, you know, weird continuity, deep cuts that only I and maybe Justin Evans remember, I'm down with three and a half slices of meatloaf for Justice League Infinity number four. This is a 12-issue limited, so I want to see where this whole mess is going. So far, if you miss Justice League on TV, I would definitely say pick this book up. It, it's going to be what you need. It's going to hit that spot. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, he wrote a couple of episodes of... Yeah, Justice League, uh, the TV series. So he's coming from a space uh, for oh, yeah, this that, that works really well. And so, again, I just listened to an interview where he was talking about this. And he really, you can tell he really, really enjoys this this world, this universe that yeah. was you he's, know created in, in Batman and, and carried on throughout and still continues today. So, yeah, definitely yeah. something to, to go check out. He's the man who adapted... Uh, Alan Moore for the man who has everything for justice league mm-hmm. unlimited yeah. and did that story justice. So yeah, yep. I like him. He could. Oh All right. man. I just realized that, uh, the captain America from the winter soldier, like Falcon and the winter soldiers, the Martian Manhunter. Yes. Yes, it is. Oh, well, the Martian Manhunter's dad on TV. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, he voices the Martian Manhunter in JLU. You're right. I'm sorry. I got confused. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thy men in JLU. Yeah. Yeah. He, he plays on Supergirl. He plays John Jones's father. Oh. Because Berlanti loves nothing so much as a, a casting gag. Gotcha. I see. Go. All right. So that was last week. Rodrigo did next week. What's coming out this week? Well, May's book number two from Jeff Lemire over at Dark Horse Comics. I reviewed the first one on this episode. I, I looking back, I really wanted to review a different book, but this first issue was so weird. The last time I reviewed it on the show, I was kind of compelled to just say what's happening next. What, where can he go with this story? And it gets a little bit weirder as our, as our building inspector guy has to go to his ex wife and say, I need to find out um, you know, I need to go dig through our, our dead daughter's stuff, uh, because she loved doing puzzles and mazes because I keep having a dream where she's trapped in the center of the maze. And I got this weird freaky phone call at the end of last issue where she called me in the middle of the night and said, come find me. I'm at the center. And so this guy is convinced that she is in the center of some maze and he's starting to hallucinate. He's starting to become super obsessed with stuff and he does find uh, the last puzzle that she never completed before her death, she died from cancer. Uh, and so he thinks that that is that there's a real world equivalent of that maze that he has to go find. And he starts hallucinating and it's, this is weird. Uh, it feels a little bit like Westworld. Remember that, that map that the man in Mm -hmm. black was, was looking for in that first season of Westworld. And so depending on who you are, that map has a different interpretation. Like, this is the path to AI or this is the path to finding yourself or this is the path to dealing with grief. 
And it feels like Jeff Lemire is kind of, I don't want to say lifting because I don't know where this story is going, but it just feels like the soon as that circular maze appears that, that this is him, the character, the, the building inspectors journey to get past his daughter's death and dealing with his grief. And so it's, Again, it's really weird. It's also very expensive. $5.99 for a book. I cannot recommend this book to you based on the price. I think that this is far too expensive. Perhaps this is the deal that Dark Horse had to strike with Lemire in order to get them to publish his book to up the price so he can get a good payday, and I hope he gets it. But just on principle, six bucks is just too much. The story side and the art side, if you're a fan of Jeff Lemire's art, this is just Jeff Lemire's art. Uh, in the w- real world, he has a specific color palette. When the guy goes into the dream world, he uses a different color palette. He uses this red string uh, anytime he's trying to get clues or think he's on a path to finding out where his daughter is. So the colors and art style are just straight up everything that you love Jeff Lemire. The story is very weird, very much like what you expect in a Jeff Lemire story. I don't know where this mm-hmm. is going. I don't know if he will actually find his way through a maze and we find out that, oh no, he's been inside a a coma this entire time and his daughter's been trying to reach him to get him to come out. Or if he's going to somehow get to the end of this and go, oh, okay, I've gone through my grief and my daughter's gone and now I can live the rest of my life in peace. Or if he's also, something horrible is going to happen or something great is going to happen. I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm kind of invested in this series now just because of the second issue and how it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. My fear is that either this is, and this is the problem that I have with a lot of uh, mystery box uh, type television shows by people whose name we shall not name, but who also loves the mystery box concept. I have a feeling the payoff is going to be a super big disappointment. Uh, That is my biggest fear or that it's not going to be the payoff that we expect or whatever. Still, all that being said, I really enjoyed this issue. I really enjoyed this art four and a half slices of meatloaf. Very, very good. But I can't tell you to just run right out and buy this because I honestly think the book is too expensive. Uh, you know, every other book that we've reviewed this week is three ninety nine, which to me is borderline too expensive. This book is two dollars more than every other book that we've talked about uh, so far this week. And I, I just. That's too dang high for a comic book. And three nine three ninety nine is too dang high for a comic book. Two ninety nine, that's a perfect price, I think, for where we're at right now. But we're not in a paper shortage. We're not in an ink shortage, so maybe prices have to adjust. I don't know. What do you think, dear listener? Head over to our Discord server and share your thoughts in the Major Spoilers channel. You can talk about this or anything that we've been talking about on the show. If you want to talk about paper shortages and how you're stockpiling toilet paper so that you can become the king of your neighborhood when uh, the collapse finally comes, you can do that as well. Um, you can also read more reviews over at Majorspoilers.com. You can do that, and uh, we will uh, uh, certainly appreciate all of that. <laughs> yeah, do that instead. Go, go read some reviews yeah. if you're worried about read- becoming the the toilet paper king of your neighborhood. Yeah. Read, read some comics, <laughs> take it, you know, calm down. Have I mean, five ninety nine for potential future toilet paper is kind of expensive. 
So <laughs> I'm just not saying. Want to wipe your your yourself with uh, the paper in comic books? No, I it's certainly wouldn't. Sharp. But I suppose if you got desperate, it would still be better than three mm-hmm. shelves. So no, no, it go. would not. I've gotten be. so many paper cuts off of comic books on my hands. I would not want them in any areas uh, where such items might occur. I'm very curious, just to go off into a weird tangent. Uh, Have you guys seen these ads for the bamboo toilet paper? That it's supposed no. to be more sustainable because bamboo no, grows no. bamboo grows faster. Obviously, it's it's a it's something that you have to be very very careful with because it can grow out of control very very quickly. But you can get you know a full growth of bamboo in like three years or less, whereas a tree it might take twenty years. So right. the idea is they're they're harvesting bamboo to make toilet paper as and paper products, as opposed to cutting down a tree to make toilet paper and paper products. So I didn't know if anybody had seen that or tried that. Um, I'm very, I'm very curious, especially as we approach our toilet paper uh, shortage this winter. Why is that saying there is a, is that like a service? uh, Probably. I I think you can get it as a service. I don't think you can just run down to your piggly wiggly and, uh, and pick up a roll unless there's something like that at your local piggly wiggly or, uh, I don't know, Carl's uh, discount store. Where are you from? (laughs) Hey, Piggly Wiggly is still a store that exists. Hey, I was uh, was surprised to find an Albertsons. Yeah, see? They're around. All right. Uh, Juliet Takes a Breath is what the trade paperback that we are reviewing this week. It is not $149, as I've mistyped here in my show notes, $14.99. I was going to <laughs> ask. I was going to say, that's, I mean, that's, that's really kind of like, high. Here, here's, a, here's the thing that's, that's amazing about that typo. So much of this book is about somebody finding their value uh-huh. that I saw that, and I was like, you know what? Good for you, Gabby Rivera. Yeah. Yeah. So this like, is... You're, if you feel that your book is worth $149.99, I am not going to tell you no. And it turns out that's it's right. a typo. But still. <laughs> so this is my understanding, the comic book adaptation of her book of Gabby Rivera's book. Uh, Celia uh, Mascote is the artist on this. Uh, I think I've seen her art somewhere else over at Boom Studios. She has a very, it's a recognizable style. It almost falls into that Steven Universe type art style uh, that has become very popular across animation styles. Um but uh, this is a very different story from one that we've probably read before. Um, Juliet is leaving the Bronx and she's going to go to Portland, Oregon to start an internship with a um, uh, lesbian who is out. And, uh, you know, she is, a, I guess, an outspoken writer. person. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. a writer, an outspoken person in the community and everything. And so she've pinned off this letter to Juliet saying, hey, I've just recently come out. Uh, or I'm a, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to come out and I would love to do an internship with you. And of course she's invited out, but before she goes, she has to, she's decided she's going to come out to her family. And this is a pretty, it's a pretty scary moment. I think for most people who are not sure oh, yeah. about where their family stands. And so that's Juliet's first kind of step is that she has to come out. And of course her mother refuses to believe it and just says she hasn't found the right boy yet, or it's just a phase And so she's going through that. Her girlfriend is ghosting her. And then she goes out and just meets this hippie trippy white lady. uh, And just things go really kind of in a different route than what she expected. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so 
I don't know. What did you guys think about this, Matthew? What did you think about uh, Juliet takes a breath and some of the adventures and trials and tribulations that Juliet had to to endure? And I don't know. I I think this is an imaginary story. I don't think this is based on Gabby's real life. Maybe it is. I don't know. Well, I'm sure it's based. I don't know that it's uh, autobiographical, but uh, you know, this is one of those books that I loved because it made me so profoundly uncomfortable because you say, I mean, this you, is a you know, very you say that personal a lot. story. You, you say uncomfortable yeah. a lot. Can you explain what you mean by uncomfortable? Because to me, uncomfortable is like, oh, this makes me feel like a horrible person for doing horrible things. And I don't, I don't feel that way when I read this. This book makes me well, no, feel. That is not what I mean. This, this book makes me feel sad for this, for Juliet and the things that she has to go through and the fact that you know, her family is close-minded or at least her mother is very close-minded in her thing. And so this book makes me very sad, but it doesn't make me feel uncomfortable. It makes me feel uncomfortable because it is a very intensely feminine space in which to put your mind. I really do wish Ashley was here for this. Episode. Yeah. I was really hoping that we could get Rodrigo and Ashley to lead the conversation on this, but She's got busy things going on with her life, and so I applaud her for all of those awesome things that she does. But I feel like the story is very personal and very intense, and in a lot of ways, it's talking about completely alien experiences to me. You know, it, It's um, a woman moving from the city, dealing with coming out, dealing with her own sexuality and her life. And you know, there are points in here where clearly— the antagonistic character is a white male. And that's fine. That is not what makes me uncomfortable. But reading about this and kind of, you know, internalizing it, it makes me feel like I'm being told a story uh, specifically that I will not be able to parse it, it, it feels like I, I'm, I'm being taught something and i like that that's the part that i love but it's also one of those things where the perspective here is kind of I, I don't know how to say it i don't feel like i'm being you know separated or held away from the book but i feel like as a you know white cis male from the midwest this is a story that is not supposed to be for me. This is a story that ah. I really want to, you know, I want to, I want to appreciate, but I don't necessarily feel like my voice is one that needs right. to be yes, the yes, loudest yes. in this. You know? Right. So I think, so if I'm understanding what you're saying, and I, I think I, I see where you're coming from now, mm -hmm. this is not a book that you feel like you should be the one going out and saying, Hey everybody, this is a great book. Go read it. Blah, blah, you know, all these kinds of things, because it's not your, it's not your, Right. You're not in that group to, to be, to be its herald, right? Like I'm being, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. someone is sharing secrets with me Yeah, that these are not my secrets to then tell other people. Right. These are not, I see where you're coming from. I see where, where you're coming from. So for when me, I say uncomfortable with a story, I don't mean that the story is, you know, offensive to me, but I mean that, well, sometimes you know, it, it is, can, that's why a story I from a perspective that I don't have any real grounding for. Yeah. So everything feels like I, as a reader am kind of at loose ends. And so I have to, you know, kind of pick up where I can. And right. 
it you know it's it's a different reading experience when you're dealing with something that is so far out of your frame of reference and I feel like being uncomfortable with stories like this is actually good because it reminds me that I don't know. It reminds me that this is something that is that I don't know this. I may never know this. So if I don't really pay attention and try to at least understand and parse it, then, you know, I'm like the jerk in the grocery store who's hitting on her. So I see where you're coming from. Um, I approach this from a from a little different standpoint in that also. Hi, Stephen. Uh, you know, straight, white, male, uh, Midwest. Um, I approach this from, I really don't know all of the things that go on in this community. I don't know everything that goes on in the LGBTQA plus uh, community, but I want to understand, but I'm not comfortable enough going out and going up to someone that may be in, in, in uh, Juliet's case, uh, lesbian and say, can you please tell me about these experiences? Can you, can I ask you dumb questions uh, and, you know, be dumb just so I understand? Because in this way, like you said, where you're being given access to secret conversations, I look at this as, oh, this is a good learning opportunity for me to, you know, what, you know, what's going on to, to maybe have better understanding of what's going on uh, in this. And so I appreciate these kind of books that are out there. And you're right. This is probably not directed at me. Uh, this is a book that is, is not meant for me, but I think that it's a book that is, um, open to letting me read it. If that, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, right. It's not yeah. saying, no, Stephen, this book is for you. Go away. I think it's a book that says this book's not really for you, but if you want to, to understand and have some understanding, then please read this. And so that's the kind of approach that I took to this. Um, and I'm yes. glad that I, and I'm glad that I read it. Um, I'm curious, Rodrigo, what your take on this book is because Juliet is from the Latin community. Uh, and I, I'm wondering what your experiences are in, in this. Um, yeah, that, that aspect, um, definitely, uh, kind of gave me an, an, in here i think that um obviously um she's uh she's got a lot of stuff going on um and uh, coming from kind of a traditional uh latino family or latinx family um uh, complicates some things but makes other things a little bit easier um and I think that that is, you know, definitely well portrayed. Um, you know, I think she's Puerto Rican, right? Um, and I'm Mexican, but you know, there's lots of things are are very similar. Um, it, really, this book, uh, I, I think, uh, is kind of a good book for uh, straight white guys to read because um, it. Uh, through a story kind of introduces people to the concept of like intersectionality, Mm -hmm. um, which a lot of people are not familiar with at all. Right. And this is the idea that every aspect of your identity adds up to a different, sometimes a very different experience. Right. Um, If you are black and trans um, your life is going to be very different than if you are white and trans. If you are 
white and gay and a man, it's going to be different than if you're white and gay and a woman or Latino and gay and a man or Latino and gay and a woman, right? Uh, it's lots of uh, things kind of, and, and it's very different, right? It's not, it doesn't produce slightly different experiences. Sometimes it produces wildly different experiences because people change the way they treat or people treat you in a way of how they perceive your identity. So there are situations that are extremely dangerous for like downright dangerous for a gay man that are not dangerous for a straight man. There are very there are situations that are very dangerous for a trans man that are not very dangerous for a cis man and things like that, right? So all of these um, kind of come together to create your identity and create how society treats you. So here in this book, um, we are seeing it from the point of view of a Latinx cis um, lesbian who is also young because age is also important. And we see her cut, like basically move across these intersections where um, she has bad interactions with cis white men. She has tough interactions with her family who are all cis and straight, although we later find out they're not all straight. Right, right. Um, and even though they're Latinos like her, uh, that actually becomes a barrier in some instances. Um, rather than something that helps things. Um, and we see her deal with someone who actually has all the same, who, who is in a lot of the same categories, but is drastically different in two of them, and that she's older and she's white, right? Mm -hmm. So that is one of the main sources of conflict. Uh, and we see kind of this trouble, or rather other characters see this trouble brewing um, because um, our protagonist really loves this author, this uh, older white lady. Yeah, Harlow is and her and they just they just see this like they just see that moment of of disappointment coming. And partially it's because of who she is, right? Her own personal uh, personality mm -hmm. is also a factor here, right? This is not an inevitability with white people, uh, but <laughs> but it's a real danger with white people. Yeah. Yeah, so it, what ends up happening is Juliet falls for the classic uh, never meet your heroes uh, sure. kind of trope that we see in that Harlow comes on very nice and very gracious and just wants to open up Juliet's mind to everything, which, you know, I'll be honest, um, I would have thought that Juliet would have understood a lot of the terms and concepts and ideas that were presented uh, by uh, Harlow and her friends before she sure. moved out. So, I mean, that was, that was a rather a surprise, but at a, at a book reading, uh, a guest asks, uh, Harlow, uh, who's white, what are you doing for, you know, the, the, the POC, the, the people of color communities. And Harlow says, well, can't you see, I've got this poor Puerto Rican, uh, Juliet who I've brought from the Bronx, uh, out here to, you know, be safe. And I've, I've saved her. And of course, that's not, that's not what, sure. uh, that wasn't the point at all. And so Juliet then has this awakening of, oh my gosh, I feel so betrayed and, you know, everything I thought was wrong and I should never have met my hero kind of thing. Um, so there's, there's that big part of the story dealing with Harlow. But I also think that regardless of where we're looking at as far as dealing with 
terms and concepts and other people in the LGBTQA plus community, this in a, the very heart of it. And I think this will help people who don't understand uh, this community uh, at the heart of this story. It is a love story, right? It's a story about a girl who is heartbroken because her significant other has gone away. Is at a different college or maybe it's the same college. I can't remember if they're at the same college, uh, but she's doing her internship with the democratic party and she's met somebody else and has fallen in love with this other person and wants to break up. And if Juliet is very, very sad and upset, but she has a supporting community of friends who are there to help her and raise her up. And over the course of the story, she finds a new love. And so in that, in that, if you're just looking for a love story, uh, at, at the, you know, the very kernel of where this book comes from, I think has that love story element to it, which is really, really nice. Um, but I also think that if you're somebody that wants to maybe understand this a little bit more, uh, mm-hmm. I think this is also a good book for that. The one thing that I was surprised is that, and then this is really a positive thing, right? Especially, uh, you know, uh, Monday of this week that, that this show was recorded on October 11th, the national coming out day. Uh, one of the reasons why this book was picked is because Juliet does have to come out to her family. And mm-hmm. I was really surprised that there wasn't at least one person who was super close minded to this. I know that Juliet's mom is like, Oh no, it's just a phase. It's just a phase. And Juliet keeps telling her, no mom, it's not, I'm a lesbian, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Until finally the mom is like, well, I've been reading this book and I'm trying to understand So at least the person's being understanding, but unfortunately for a lot of young people, it is very difficult to come out because you are probably in a household or in a group of people who will not eventually want to understand, who will just want to dismiss you and kick you out and disown you. And I was a little disappointed that there wasn't that. I mean, I'm very glad that you know, we're talking fictional characters here. I'm very glad that Juliet has a good support community and at the heart, her family seems very good. But I, I just, I felt like this story didn't feel real, I guess, because there, that she didn't have to deal with, you know, just being totally cut off from somebody in the family. Well, I mean, there's also that, you do kind of get into that problem when these types of stories are told that there is a lot of focus and a lot mm-hmm. of stories dealing with those negative aspects mm-hmm. and dealing with, you know, the traumatic parts of it. And I'm really fine with that not being part of this story because it's not part of this story. But I don't know that I would say, and it, you know, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but it feels like the implication is that somehow this feels less realistic to you because no one had that, you know, terrible, terrible response. Well, and I'm not saying that this needed a terrible response. I'm just surprised that that wasn't because so many people do not have a positive coming out with, with their families. And I, and I, and yeah, I guess I'm saying I, I, the story doesn't feel as realistic because that, that aspect isn't there, I guess. So I, I would say, I would say two things about that. Um, the first one is don't uh, don't underestimate the impact of someone or like your family or people you care about saying, oh, you're not valid. Right, what you're right. saying is wrong. That aspect right. of yourself is not true. Right. That's 
actually an extremely harmful uh, thing for people that experience it mm-hmm. um, or that have experienced it. Right. And right. the other one is that, yeah, not uh, when, you know, when you pick up a gay book, um, mm-hmm. that book uh, or a Latino book or a Latino panel member, uh, that book uh, kind of becomes an ambassador, right? Right. right. Um, so it, but it's also, you know, a, a piece of text and mm-hmm. they are, it's telling a story in a particular way. So yes, there are aspects that are not touched on, but again, that's the important thing about those intersections, right? Um, there are like this book doesn't touch on, uh, being gay in a family of cops, right? Right. right. Or, yeah. Or, you know, being, or having to come out, uh, or, or having someone else out you, right? Right. Um, or something like that. Those are all experiences that happen, and those are all experiences that you hear about. Um, you know, this book, uh, some uh, transgender people and non-binary people are in this book. They're not the main characters, mm-hmm. but you see mm-hmm. them around, mm-hmm. you know, but it doesn't focus on that. So, right. Um, yeah, I'm not looking for a book to be all-inclusive. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. And I'm glad that, that the author decided to make the family not a hateful family, right? Because I think yeah. I would have disliked the family a whole lot more. Um, yeah, but I, I, I would just, I'm just surprised that, that, that she didn't encounter something more harsh because I'll be honest, I, I know some people that have gone through some really harsh yeah. things through their family. And, you know, Matthew and I live in the, in the Bible belt where pray it away is, you know, a philosophy is the best is the best you can hope for. I mean, yeah. Well, and you know, maybe it's me. And again, I don't presume to understand uh, the Latinx family experience, but from my perspective, uh, mom being disappointed is one of the yeah, major driving really. factors yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. of her being super upset. And I feel like in a lot of ways, at least, you know, in, in my experience, the I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed is so much worse than getting hit upside the head because it's not just, you know, a, a, some sort of admonishment. It's not punishment. It's not a rebuke. It's you have failed and I'm sad about you failing. And now I'm going to silently suffer with my failing child. And I'm like, you know, that, that hurt, that hurt me reading this. And as we go through this particular story, she does have a lot more support than even she expected. Yeah, yeah. And that's but what I, I find very, very positive is the support. I'm really, really fine with that because, again, you know, any coming out experience of which I have been a participant has been as, you know, the receiver of the information. Uh, I haven't necessarily had any of these types of discussions uh, with one minor exception. And that's, you know, that's a whole nother thing. But when you really come down to it, I feel like the universal part of this is the disappointment. Mom is disappointed. And then she thinks, okay, this woman is going to help me unlock everything that it is mm-hmm. to right, be queer. Right. And she's disappointed. And, you know, this person definitely isn't that. And, you know, turns out to also be kind of a, you know, jerk. Uh, you know, almost, uh, 
the stereotypical jerk white feminist who doesn't understand anything outside. Well, and that's what all of her perspective. And that's what all of Harlow's friends are trying to tell Juliet. It's like, uh, we don't want to say that she's problematic, but she's prepare yourself for a bust her. But boy, yeah. she's going to disappoint you at some point. Yeah. And so they're, they're prepping her for that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed this story and I'm glad that this story came into our lives or my life from boom studios. Uh, I think it is very educational on one level. I think it's very touching on another level. I think it's very well written and very well drawn. I like that Juliet has to go through this. What's the word? Uh, crucible. Yeah. It's coming of age crucible, right? Where she's got to really find out who she is and maybe not rely on the people around her to tell her who she is. And she's got to believe in herself to do that. And so I like, I really like that story a lot. Um, but I under, uh, also understand that as we've seen with the announcement that Jonathan Kent is bisexual now, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. I, I have seen a lot of the backlash, uh, on that. And so personally, I enjoyed this book a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it's worth reading. I guarantee you it will be on some school board's ban list if it's not already. Sure. Sure. Um, and I also know that there's a lot of real people that get worked up over someone who is not like them. Uh, like we saw with, with John Kent this week. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame because I think if more people would, would take some time and read this book and be open-minded to it, I think they might have a, come away with a better understanding. And well, so, and- Go ahead. Sometimes, and, and you know, th- this is weird because I feel like in a lot of situations, you and I are on opposite sides of this argument, but I feel like sometimes I don't know if there's people are so hidebound that you're never going. Oh yeah. To no, I know. I, I know that you're never minded. Never. And I feel like a story like this requires you to come to it with, you know, a little bit of, you know, you, you kind of have to give it the benefit of the doubt. You have to accept that this is a story that you are being a part of. And I think that, you know, the parts of it where, you know, it was dealing with a young woman's sexuality and the parts of it where it was dealing with being 19 and, you know, smashing your way through your first three or four disastrous relationships or, you know, learning the ropes of being in a relationship. Uh, of all kinds, whether it be just, you know, romantic or interactional, that part of it, I think is totally universal, but people aren't going to apply that to their life. If they look at it and go, Oh, this is a story where, you know, the LGBTQIA parts of it are against something that I already believe. I'm not even going to, not even going to give it that, and, and that's, that and space. And that's, and that's the, the problem. problem, right? That's the part that I feel sad because I think that there's a really good story here that people are going to miss out because of that. So here's what I'm asking our dear listeners. If you can be open-minded, please check this book out. I think it's, you know, I think it's a very good book. I think it's well-written. I think the art is very nice. I would recommend this to other people. Um, but I do realize Matthew, and I don't think there's an argument that you're going to be able to change anybody's mind because I've, I've worked with you for over 30 years I know how impossible it is to change your mind when you decide to be stubborn. So I understand that you, that you're going to run into those instances. And, and that makes me also feel wow. sad for that also makes me feel sad for 
large sections of our country. Um, because I think that there can be something that's, that we can all learn from. Right. So sure. for me, I'm going to give this a, a, a strong buy recommendation. Yeah. I feel strongly about this book. Rodrigo, what about you? What are some final thoughts from you? Yeah. Um, I, I would definitely, uh, if you are, uh, if you're Latinx and or gay or queer or trans, I definitely recommend this book to see what it reflects of you. There's a lot of that this book reflects of me, even though I'm straight and cis, you know. Um, also, if you're not, if you're, you know, a white straight person or a white gay person or, you know, if, the, if you have fewer intersections here, um, I think it's worth buying and approaching with um, the mindset of Juliet does nothing wrong. She learns and right. she is picking stuff up. Um, and there are going to be times when you're going to be like, well, why didn't she like forgive this person? But if you always approach it as she never does anything wrong. It'll help you kind of crack through your own um, maybe preconceptions or uh, ideas of how things should be or how this story should go or whatever. And I think, again, if you want to be an ally, that would be helpful. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's like, uh, you know, I think a thousand years ago when we did uh, Do to the Right Thing on Zach on on film mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um if you approach like you know when they asked people did mookie do the right thing uh white people were divided on it but no black people were divided on it right they all right, agreed so right, right. that's that's something like what happens here except on a much you know smaller more personal scale yeah matthew final thoughts from you i love this book you should rush right out in a buying frenzy for this book and i think the the most telling thing about it was that as I was reading it and enjoying it, part of me hoped that the whole panel would be here so yeah. that, you know, so that I could get a, a woman's perspective, so that I could get Rodrigo's perspective as a Latino man. But more importantly, I think that the discomfort that I felt was important because it really did remind me of, you know, things that you can or could or should be doing. And sometimes, you know, I saw uh, something the other day on the interwebs and they're like, yeah, this podcast used to be good before they went all woke. And I'm like, well, if you think we aren't, maybe you weren't listening as closely as you thought. But more importantly, this is an important book to read because it's, it's a good comic book. Yeah. This yeah, is yeah. a good book with a good story, some really excellent art, some moments that'll make you think some moments that will, probably make you uncomfortable but hopefully it'll make you uncomfortable in a way that you're examining why you feel that way and whether or not you're doing something to earn that discomfort that you need to examine and maybe change your own perspectives and your own actions yep there you go all right uh ladies and gentlemen that is where we're going to wrap it up right now thank you again so much for being uh, part of this show thank you for being part of the major spoilers experience as always, we want your feedback. Make sure that you join the rest of all the cool kids at the Major Spoilers Discord server to share your thoughts and reactions to the episode. Or you can drop us an email directly, podcast at Majorspoilers.com, and you might get to hear your words coming out of Steven's face in an upcoming episode. <laughs> and don't forget, you can support this show and everything we do by becoming a patron 
at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Next week, we jump into the world of the weird, probably just in time for Halloween as we take a look at uh, Sean Phillips, Ed Brubaker, and Fatal Volume 1. That's next week on the Major Spoilers Podcast. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron, I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fun being the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.